Well, hello. Welcome to New Morning Podcast. Dave Matthews with Ted Smith. Uh, Dave Matthews is not the band guy. I want to keep saying that, Ted. And Ted Smith is not the... um, Ted? Yeah, well, he played the piano for uh, Billy Graham at one time, but that was a 2D, Ted. Is that is that really true, or are you uh-huh. just making that up? No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Okay. Yeah. Well, welcome to New Morning, where, uh, <laughs> hey, if you're confused about life, if you've ever been hurt, you have been hurt, Ted? Oh, a few times. Yeah, I think we all have. If uh, you have past pain, hurts, bad habits, broken relationships— People who die that shouldn't die, you know, it's sometimes it is a good time to die, but most of the time, man, it's not, right? Um, right. So uh, if you have anything in your past that you struggle with, this podcast is for, <laughs> for you. you. Yeah, so if, pretty much if you have a heartbeat. <laughs> if you have a heartbeat. We had a, we had a leader's uh, retreat. By the way, uh, Spark of Life is, is our nonprofit organization, and if you need help for anything, go there. And so we come out of a background of many years working with uh, people who have screwed up past. And and most it, it's grief. Uh, but we want to talk today, Ted, about uh, what is grief? And are there things in this world that we don't look at as grief, but it really is? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that um, sometimes we can assume things and uh, – one thing having a grief podcast related podcast we don't even ever explain grief what, what the heck is grief is, it is a very elusive kind of thing to define it's a butterfly it is very elusive and so we have talked extensively about this i've heard you talk extensively about it i've experienced it extensively so but i'd like to know like what the heck is grief? And boil it down for me, Dave. I mean, this is something that, yeah. Well, you know, there's two parts of grief. I you think. know it when you feel it or what? <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. But sometimes you're going through grief and you don't even know it's grief. That's kind of where we're going. But everybody knows what grief is when a loved one dies. Yeah, that's pretty that's, – that's, that, that's a standard grief. Well, yeah, we all yeah. get that kind of grief as far as getting that we – uh, I mean, you've lost a child, we lost a grandson, but there's many other losses out there that contribute to how we deal with the main loss. And so what we've learned in our grief work, we've been doing this since 2009 when we started Spark of Life, you know, dealing with thousands of people who have all kinds of losses. You name the loss, and we've we've dealt with that. Can you, yeah. uh, without calling it type or definition or whatever, can you tell me the types of people, uh, I mean, not people, the types of losses people have suffered that were not the obvious? Yeah, and that's where, we're, that's where we want to go. I mean, the death losses are obviously loss. And one basic definition of grief, and I'll answer yeah, a question, sure. is uh, grief is natural and normal. It's a price you pay for love. With We, we mentioned this in in other podcasts, if if I didn't love, I wouldn't grieve. Right. Now, I can lose a thing. You know, I've had friends who lost their house to fire. That's a deep loss, right? That, right. That they lost something. Uh, and then, and it's right to grieve that. Mm. And, uh, and then some people lose uh, people, okay? But it's all tied to love. And so grief is the price we pay for love. And but there's another kind of grief uh, loss that's called non-death loss, mm. 
and and a burning house would be one of them. Mm-hmm. For example, there's there's many. So just from our experience of doing 113 three and a half day retreats, uh, yeah, you, you 1600 people. Yeah, a few examples. <laughs> we could write seven books. Right. You know, I could write them today if I had the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, seven books of stories. Uh, people have come uh, who lost their health. And uh, she had lost her health at the age of 50. She was debilitated. Her husband luckily owned his own business. In his office, there was a couch. Literally for two years, she had to go with him to work and lay down on the couch. He had to take care of her. Mm. You think that's a loss? Oh, absolutely. It's a huge loss. It's a non-death loss. Mm. Another definition helps with non-death losses. Grief is when a familiar uh, pattern of living, okay, is interrupted, changed, or ends. In other words, I'm in a rhythm of life, and let's say I lose my job, <laughs> right. and I have to move and put up a house for sale we've lived in 20 years, right? right. That's a loss right. of a, because my, the way of normal living is, in, is, is ended or it's changed. Kids go off to college is a loss. The, the the normal living or the what you had expected to happen in life changed from the way you painted it yeah. on your canvas. Yeah, on your uh, dream list, yeah. right? right? So let's just take marriage for example. Right. Your bucket, <laughs> but, your bucket list sprung a leak. Yeah, yeah, the bucket list of what you thought marriage would be like. And I don't know when the honeymoon period ended for people out there, but I know. You're madly in love. You get married. You you don't think about when you walk down the aisle or you stand before the officiant, you don't think about, okay, what are we going to do when trouble comes and who are we going to call? Why are you looking at me when you're saying that, Dave? Well, well, because, number one, I'm talking with you. Oh, that's right. And you're yeah. right across the I'm thing. Just, I guess I'm just starting if to feel like you're looking at me. If you can move that little stand in front of your face, right. I, I might feel a little better. Maybe because you know I've yeah, had, had a divorce. Or four. Or, or, or seven or ten. Yeah. Anyway. But, okay, you take relationship loss. We'll talk about that later in more detail. But when your dreams are shattered, that's a loss. It's a non-death loss. It could be non-death. Now, uh, your dreams can be shattered with death loss. But let's just take non-death situations where you had a, a vision for your family, and then your kids come, and a kid becomes addicted to drugs or alcohol. Yeah, I've dealt with that all my life. Not in my personal family, just in my work with people. Or you, or in that same. It's not necess, not just that. But if you have expectations that you want your child to be a, have a certain personality, to be X and he's and Y, be, be gregarious and yep. be a social yep. dude or that gal or, 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 athlete, or an athlete or an athlete yeah. or whatever, like you were or like you expect expect yep. him to be, you could. Uh, it's called maybe loss. rightly or wrongly mourn or grieve over that. Yeah, and when your life is disrupted and your dreams are shattered and you don't look at it as loss and grief, you might not handle it really well. Mm. If you can reframe it as, wait a minute, this is a grief situation. Mm. So, uh, for example, we have some dear friends, and they're, they're, they're the coolest people on earth, Uh Almost as cool as you are, Ted Smith. Thank so, you so much. Uh, what did you say? Say that again. <laughs> but they really are cool people, and they're dear friends, and uh, I think he'd die for me. I'd die for him, that sort of friendship. Uh, they Their first child was severely handicapped, mm. okay, mentally, physically handicapped. Mm. 
uh, and I got to know this very well. They had two other children after they had the, their first child, but that handicapped child, because of, of of the special needs, and really they 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 were told by experts, you've got to put her in a home or facility. And then they were talked into it. So what do you think they felt when they put their daughter in a facility? Uh, in other words, 24-7, she's going to live apart from them, and they're going to visit her once a week, maybe. Among a myriad of other things, guilt. Guilt. Um, um, they Empathy or sympathy for the child having to not or not being able to experience what they experienced and what they expected okay. for them to experience. What they and the, feel. And the thought of the child being in a place that they didn't feel, that didn't feel like home. Okay, and then could they have an opposite or conflicting feeling of relief? Yeah, I, I, probably so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But probably a guilt for feeling relieved. Absolutely. So you have conflicting so feelings. It gets a little complicated it real gets, quick. Yeah, with one little okay, deal, not little so, deal, but so if I if I don't recognize that as a grief situation as a loss. And a lot of people don't. Right. And they say, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? How could I possibly have given, uh, let my kid live in a facility? I must be a bad mother or bad father. And it's even worse because I feel good about it. But I feel bad. I feel good. So I'm sad, but I'm glad. What's the proper response, though? The proper response is to 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 recognize it it. To recognize it as normal. It's normal for me to feel this way. Absolutely. It's normal for me to feel, be conflicted. It's normal for me to, yeah. you know, feel bad for yeah. her. Yeah. Let me ask all our, all our viewers or listeners. <laughs> okay. And by the and way, Eli. the listeners, I'm looking at the camera that's over there. Eli is our producer and he's got three cameras here. So I'm hey, looking at the. Eli, by the way, has most of the answers we don't. So when we turn, <laughs> when, we, when we don't have an answer, we turn to Eli. Eli's pretty cool. Okay, so let me ask the listeners and viewers out there. Anybody have life not turn out the way you hoped? I'm going to act like I'm a viewer. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Yes, of course you have. All right, now let me give you a serious illustration here of why this is important on non-death losses, okay, to situations that's a change in a normal pattern of living, of behavior, of acting. Mm -hmm. So we have these these friends who had a son who was a tennis superstar, tennis superstar. So they went to all the junior tournaments. I mean, from the time he was little, train, you know, yeah. he had trainers, he had all that stuff. Yeah. His whole life, he won all these tournaments. Tennis prodigy. Yes. Okay. Uh, John McEnroe, Jimmy Connors are dating me again. Those two names, Bjorn Borg. Uh, what, I'm not uh, sure if that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Bjorn. What, Bjorn. That was an Arkansas <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Texan, not an Arkansas. For all my Arkansas friends, we lived there 20 you lived years. There, that you, yeah. Yeah, anyway. okay. But anyway, he, when he graduated from high school, he had won four or five national awards. I mean, championships and stuff and various stuff in the tennis world. And his parents took him all over the place, camps, you know, private lessons, everything. And he, he was kind of burned out, but it, it came a decision time. He's going to go to college, and he, he did not want – he had tennis scholarships, you know, and all that offered. But, no, he he was done with tennis, and he said, I need a break. I got to get out of here. I, I, I can't do it. So I just want to go to college and be a normal kid. Mm-hmm. So he goes off to college. It's a sad story. Um, 
and and great kid, no drugs, no drinking. And, and, and by the way, they can be great kids and have drug problems. So far, it doesn't sound sad. Okay. Uh, no signs of depression, sadness, anything. He goes off to college and two weeks into he goes away to college. And, of course, his parents and him have been real close and his, his two brothers and all that stuff. So he goes off to college, and in two weeks, he calls home, talks to his dad. Dad says, well, how's everything going, son? He said, I, I don't know who I am. Nobody knows my name. Nobody knows my name. He was pretty well-known yes. in, 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 in that world. In that industry. He's not in that world anymore. In that sport. I got you. So when he's registering or something, people are asking him, the, the people who work and say, I need your identification. Well, I'm so-and-so. Right. And he, he wasn't like cocky. It's not that or arrogant. He Nobody knew his name. And he didn't know anybody. Okay. So he's sad, and so his dad says, and he's a dear friend of mine, the dad, and dad says, son, that's normal. Good response. You know, you're away from home really for the first time. You're in a new environment. It's okay for you to feel sad. That right. It's okay for you. Just hang in there. It'll get better, I promise you. When I went away to college, I was, you know, that right. adjustment was tough. Right. And two weeks later, he kills himself. Wow. So the parents come to retreat about five years later. You, you knew these folks. Oh, yeah. Five, well, I, I met him because of the grief. Okay. Okay. So anyway, they come to a retreat, and they find out something at the retreat that made sense of the nonsense. I call it making sense of nonsense. And you've been through this, and and I hate to trigger, but, I mean, you, you, know, you're, you know what we're doing here is a big trigger for our right. bosses. right. So anyway, um, they said he lost his identity. When somebody loses their identity, like who I think I am, and you lose it, it's called deep, deep, deep grief. Mm. It's a non-death loss before the suicide, yeah. right? Yeah. It, obviously. Right. Why did he do it? Hounds the you know, parents. I was a bad parent. I didn't recognize his sadness, his depression, the signs. I know you've been through probably all of that. Mm. And so when they found out their son had lost who he was, it was a grief deal. It was a loss. It was a huge loss. So non-death grief needs to be recognized as grief. Why is that important? Because it's important for me to respond in a way that's healthy. When I recognize it for what it is, I normalize it. Right. So I'm sorry. Okay. No, go me, ahead. Uh, when you say non-death, but the, the son died, but it was— Yeah, I'm talking about obviously before he died, he was experiencing loss and grief. Gotcha. And nobody recognized it as that. That and happened really fast. It, it did. It happened, I think, if I'm, if I, you know, some of the details of the story could be wrong, but basically I think it was a few weeks after mm -hmm. he went to college. Mm -hmm. It might have been a couple of months. I, I don't know. That still would be very Very fast. Rapid. I mean, I, when I think of that thing, that kind of thing happening, in, in my case, it was, a, it was something that was trouble that was going on brewing for longer than two months. It was over the course of years. And, yes. And it was kind of a slow. Yeah. So. Loss, and we're going to talk about that in our next pro or one of the future podcasts. Right. 
So does that make sense, yep. what I'm saying sure about non-death? Yeah. Now, some non-death losses are easy to see. Some are not. So, my, so, so, so when, I, when I talk about non-death losses, death can be involved in it. I mean, it, like, like in this case, but, but— Changing jobs. Yeah, changing jobs, uh, retiring, oh, moving. A breakup where you're, oh, you, yeah. you identify with your, the partner— yeah. And, and you've been with them forever? Yeah. That's so, that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, divorce uh, or breakup of any relationship that you think is going to be there for the rest of your life, for example, mm-hmm. and you feel very confident and then somebody betrays you, uh, you know, having affairs. But it doesn't even have to be no, affairs. Not even an affair. Yeah. yeah, it could just be a change. A, a change. We had one woman come to one of our Spark of Life retreats who was, uh, she had been, a, she was divorced from her first husband. She had kids by the you know first marriage. And then uh, she's like in her 40s and she started dating this guy and they weren't married yet. The, she thought they were going to get married and she got real close to uh, his family, his kids. Her kids were kind of estranged from her, which mm-hmm. is a loss. It's a non-death loss. Mm-hmm. Right, death of right. a relationship. Kids, her her kids probably because of the divorce and the messiness of it, taking sides. Anyway, whatever happened, she didn't have any relationship with her own biological kids. Right. She started dating a guy. He had a very open, welcoming family. He, she loved his mom and dad. She loved um, his kids. They started to love her. Right, and then he broke up with her. Mm. What did she lose? The identity that she had with him. And with the whole family. With the whole family she didn't yeah. lose just his relationship. Yep. She lost relationship with his parents, with his kids. Right. And, and they had taken her in as part of the family. So she comes, mm. and, and she's there with people that had lost two kids, for example, to death. Did she have a right to be at the retreat? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. She was yeah. devastated. That's what we mean by non-death losses. It could be sure. death of relationships. Okay, can you dig down and uh, give me some more examples of non-death participants? And well, yeah, it's it's death of who the heck am I? <laughs> what, Dad, okay, I'm, I'm getting personal here, but yeah. that's what you do with me. So, <laughs> what, what about? I mean, did you ever have a non-death loss? Me personally? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like. Did you, I mean, you've changed careers a little bit, right? Uh, yeah. I preached for 40 years. Every Saturday night, every Saturday night when I began my sermon prep, that's a joke. Okay, but every Saturday night, it was tension building all week to, and then Sunday comes and I get up at four o'clock because I was a perfectionist. I went over my sermon over and over, over and over and over it, right? Yeah. And then I, I preached three or four times on a Sunday. Right, right, and That's then Sunday, sun, yeah, pretty big, thousand ahead. people, okay. 15, and then and then crash on Sunday night, yeah. crash, and the rhythm of that for over forty years, yeah, the rhythm of it, being Thanks. with people all the time, blah blah blah. Then we quit that and we start Spark of Life, and we go full time with Spark of Life, and I'm six months later. Debbie says, "What the heck is wrong with you?" Uh, what was wrong with me was I was grieving, and I did. And we were doing grief work, and I didn't even know I was grieving. Right. I wanted out. I wanted to do spark. 
I believe God was calling us to do Spark right. of Life. It was exciting for us, right? Right. I wanted it. Debbie wanted it. We were excited. We're doing what we think we're called to do for the rest of our lives, and I'm grieving the loss of who I used to be. So I'm guessing that you would probably say— Are you my counselor now? Yeah, yeah. just pull up a chair. Pull up a chair, I, I'm sitting in a chair. Okay. I would guess that you would say— Dr. Dr. Ted. The hidden grief is sometimes more dangerous than the, the known grief. Or well, not more dangerous, but more could be more subtly da- damaging. Yeah, obviously, if I had to pick between the two, I'd pick the non-death. <laughs> I mean, if it's somebody I love, oh, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So we don't want to minimize that. No, that's no. that's heavy, deep stuff too. Notice I said stuff, spit. It's heavy spit. Don't you cuss on this yeah, podcast? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, it's, it's spit happens. So. Yeah, it can be. I, I like the way you put it. Subtly, it could be subtly damaging. Danger, damaging, you know. With the extreme case I gave you of, of the tennis kid, it resulted in tragedy. Right, right. It was hidden. Uh, and I, I look. So I guess the next question: How do you tell if something's hidden or not? If it's hidden, how do we recognize it as grief? Symptoms, like you do a, a sickness, I guess. Yeah. What are, What are symptoms? Well, symptoms of grief. Uh, are pretty obvious if you've been through it. And everybody knows what, you know, some of the symptoms are obvious, right? Are the responses people give to loss. And one of those is, one of those is, uh, Ted had an idea and he's writing something down. I'm okay. taking notes. It's uh, yeah, that, the no, wisdom that I'm getting from you right okay. now, I'm writing take Symptoms, okay. number one. <laughs> okay. Well, some are obvious, right? Sadness, deep sadness. Uh, sadness. Lack of, I mean, change in eating habits. Did you have a change in eating habits after Luke died? Uh, either gain weight or lose weight. I, I think my what happened was I started going up and down. <laughs> you went up and down. It's very <laughs> yeah. normal. See, yeah. Anything that happened. So uh, change in sleeping habits. You either sleep too much or you can't sleep at all or both. And I know one. What? I had. I became antisocial for. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not isolation. You, you isolate. I didn't want to be around anybody. I don't blame you, but that's not really subtle. No, we're talking about obvious responses to obvious, uh, obvious, obvious. to seeing grief. I mean, to obvious grief, and and so uh, hidden grief. Yeah, but but we're talking about what are common responses to obvious grief, grief to grief, and so the the eating habits changing, the sleeping habits changing. Uh, Isolation, fatigue, or you've, were you drained of energy? Oh, couldn't get up out of bed. Yeah, and part, but part of that was just wanting to shorten the day. You wanted to shorten the day. We talked about that. Which in has another more podcast. to do with the well. I don't yeah, no, more to do. With, yeah, but uh, so so people try these common responses. It actually, if you list the common responses of, of law of grief, it's it sounds very similar to clinical depression. It's not always clinical depression. No, not at all. Okay. I mean, now some uh, clinical, clinical de- is more physiological. Well, and, and then- clinical depression is real, and we're not minimizing that as a problem. And that and, and that certainly is a factor in many suicides, right? And we, you know, from Robin Williams and and all he, his battles, and we need to be very sensitive about that, right? And real that clinical depression is real, but oftentimes those who are grieving have exactly the same symptoms of clinical depression, and it's not clinical depression. Mm. Now, 
don't stop taking your meds if you're on meds. We're not saying that. We're not doctors. We're not no. right. But all we're saying is sometimes friends say, "Oh, you you're clinically depressed." Well, you might be grieving, right? Okay, and bipolar disease too, of extreme highs, extreme lows, and all that stuff. Some people, amateur amateur psychiatrists or doctors, will say, "Oh, you you you're bipolar." Well, you might be bipolar, but the symptoms of grief are very similar to that. I would like to get a psychiatrist on here, Elon, to so because it brings up a lot of questions yeah, that we, what, we that we're not qualified yeah, to answer. Well, but, absolutely. But I wonder chemically what it does to you when you're not when you don't have clinical depression when you go through mourning. Yep. I, I would guess that there is some physiological oh, changes. Ab- absolutely, and, uh, chemically, I would just yeah. temporarily, anyway. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, and some, and we we said some people stay stuck in the pit of grief the rest of their life, and some don't. And what's the difference? That's what we're talking about, right? Mm. We don't want to stay stuck in the pit of grief forever, but we'll never get out of the grief thing. I mean, it, it's like you can't exist without some kind of grief. I mean, there's something in my life that's a loss, and so you'll always have scars from Luke dying, right? Always. Right. That doesn't mean your life is unproductive and your life it cannot be full of joy again. It can be full of joy again. That, that's what yeah, this podcast and, is all about. Right. And this might be completely off the, the reservation, but there's something in mourning and grief that is therapeutic. And, and it's almost comforting to think about, Luke, even though it's painful. I, I would say that's a great sign of a healthy journey that you're on. Yeah, you know, we we said a previous podcast or maybe their future podcast about deep grief for a while. Everything's focused on who or what you lost. It just has to be that way. Right. It does not mean you have little faith. It doesn't mean your faith is weak, though. Your faith might feel weak. You might be very angry at God. Right. Uh, all these emotional responses to loss are very normal. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It means that you're. You're you're in grief, and and so for a while you can't think of anything else, and so the focus is on who or what you lost, not on who or what you have. Right. So in the meantime, we want to we want to start a healthy recovery where it gradually starts to change from everything's about who I lost, but that one arrow pointing in toward who you lost will always be there. Right. That does not mean life has to be sad all the time i think what has evolved and i I, I commented to you this morning i don't want this podcast to continue to come back to me but it is a perspective but um how initially uh when i thought about luke uh it was painful but now it in in between it's become less painful most of the time it's become um, respectful and yeah. honoring. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think I don't, that's, that's such, not a good description. Yeah, it is too. I think it's a great description. I think I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We've heard this. Excuse me, I just burped. You, we heard this from that's that Dunkin' Donut this coffee. Is, this is Dunkin'. No, we're trying to get a. Oh, we're, we're trying, trying to get, get a free deal with. Yeah, they're not going to sponsor us if you're telling them they're making you burp. This is the greatest coffee in the world. All right, so uh, thank you. Where were we? Oh, you're describing me memories. <laughs> memories of Luke have gone from 
it's so sad to think about it to now kind of a peace or a calming. Yeah, b- deeply uh, emotional because sometimes I, you know, I'd wake up, I'd be mad at him. Sometimes I would just, I mean, most of the time I was just missing him, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it was a very emotional situation. And over time, I mean, there are times, I'm not, one of my podcasts, you saw me weep just yeah, briefly, well, but yeah. um, it's gotten easier. And that easier is not the word. It's become less overtly emotional. I mean, less debilitating. Less, de- for sure, less debil- debilitating. Yeah. And and it's okay to go back to being debilitated every now and then. I, it, I'm ready for it. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I, you know what I, I mean? No. It, it's, 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 it's not a smooth line out. And there's never a day when we're totally out of the pit of grief. Yeah, I can give you we, a list. Of, I'm not now, yeah. but I'll give you a list of triggers. I mean, one's going, yeah. having to move, figure out which photographs to keep in a family album, and you start seeing those photos. I'll take you down memory lane. Yeah, it's, yeah and that, that's the nature of this beast of, of grief. But as as people grow in their recovery, it doesn't mean you forget the loved one. And we're going to talk all about recovery, you know, in another podcast. But it. It doesn't mean you forget the loved one, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to be sad again. It doesn't mean you have perfect days. It doesn't mean you're not affected. No, all that stuff is part of the process. But in the process, you can be living forward, not existing forward. And that is the big deal of having a thought process that it's okay for me to be where I am right now. Now, the problem with the symptoms, you said hidden grief, how do you how do you get people to Say, well, maybe I, it was a grief experience I'm going through. If it's hidden, well, what about your symptoms? <laughs> okay. But that's why we go over the symptoms of obvious grief. You mm-hmm. know, so my, my, my mom dies, and you would think, or let's just take my dad. My dad dies. He has Alzheimer's. David Matthews wanted Tom, Thomas George Matthews to die because he doesn't know anybody. He has Alzheimer's, and I am praying for him to die, right? Right. And my prayer was, take him before mom has to change his diapers. That did not happen. She changed his diapers, mm. and and Dave helped her do it Right. the last week I was with him. Right. I wanted him to die. <laughs> so when he died, so I'm grieving while he's alive, right? Right. But I wanted him to die, so he dies, and everybody feels relieved and sad at the same moment, conflicting right. feelings. People would say that seems really selfish selfish of you, Dave. Well, I don't care what they say because right. I own my own recovery. But is it is, – I would – yeah, but I would say, I mean, to your your defense, because I happen to understand what you're yeah. talking about. Well, of course that you it's, do. Uh, it's, it's um, empathy saying, would I want to be – Living like that? Living like that? No. No. Have I heard my mother say yeah. when she was uh, healthy? Yeah. If I ever get like that, y'all take me out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. So, I know. And many, many people who are, might be viewing and listening to this are going to know exactly what we're talking about. If you've ever dealt with somebody with dementia or Alzheimer's, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. So hidden grief can even be, even be through death. Well, when you want somebody to die, I, I give you a perfect example. Back to the handicapped child, we had another friend. She had a handicapped child. And he happened to have the same birthday I did, uh, so he was exactly my age. Right. Exactly, 
he screamed probably eight hours a day, severely mentally handicapped from birth. It was, and she loved her son deeply. Then her husband got Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. And he had the same name as my dad. I mean, seriously, the right. same first two names, Thomas George. And her son was born, you know, we were born on the same, same day. day. It's kind of eerie. Right. And then her husband died. Now she's left all alone with her son, and she was mourning her husband, but she was glad he died. Then her son died, and everybody thought, well, you can finally live again. Right? Right. For, for 55 years, she raised that boy. Right? Right. You think she grieved after he died? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that the deal is the grief was complicated because she was glad he died. So you had this conflicting feeling. And so so if you don't recognize that as normal, you think something's wrong with you and it complicates your recovery and you're stuck. I'll, I'll tell you. Does that what, make any sense? Total sense. And I was thinking of another example of related to the slow uh the slow the slow grief uh for loved ones who are still here but are not really here or are you know, it's a bad situation. Um I have a relative without I mean that is uh, living but is not there doesn't right. know anything right and uh just a lot of different things like that and there are times what i when i feel like i should go and i just i'm like i, I don't really want to so you don't want to even be there I, I don't i don't I mean, blame I, you I, I i don't i know i i, I mean i l- l- love this person and i yeah. and i am honored when i honor them but uh, it's uh, it's extremely difficult, and, and especially so. You're in you, grief right now while they're still alive. That's what this. I think that is, and that, that's, that's a non-death loss. Yeah, right. So, yeah. See, and how do you recognize uh, hidden hidden grief? And I know we got to wrap this up. I don't know how long we've been going, Eli. How long do? Thirty-five. Oh, is that all? All right. That's why we pay that boy. Okay, thirty. I, I want to. I just want to go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was saying, how do you recognize it? It's the symptoms. So when my mother died, and I wanted her to die, quote-unquote, wanted her to die because she had uh, two or three types of cancer, her mind was good. I didn't really want her to die, right? I'm I'm not saying I hope she dies today. It's not that. It's just that she was finally released, right, when she died. So I had the conflicting feelings. So anyway, six months pass, and I think I'm not grieving, this is called hidden grief, too. Right. I, I Obviously, you grieve when your mom dies, and I loved her dearly, blah, blah, blah. But six months later, I'm, Debbie noticed patterns of behavior that I had that it were was telling her that I was grieving. Right. <laughs> like me not being as kind to her. Like me isolating. Right. Like me being grumpy. And no comments there. I know I'm grumpy sometimes. All right. So, uh, okay. So I was exhibiting some behaviors that were shouting to her that you're grieving. Because we had been doing this grief work for a long time, and we had talked about this with other people. I'm thinking I'm not grieving because I'm okay with it. But there were un- there was unfinished business with mom that I'd never addressed. There was unfinished business. I had some resentments I'd never talked about. Right. I was grieving and didn't know it. 
And then when she pointed it out to me, I said, oh, my goodness, I'm grieving. My mother's death six months ago. I thought I was okay with it. So I had to complete the incompletes. We'll talk about that in future podcasts. But I had to I had to wrap it up. I had to write her a letter. I had to say, I forgive you for hurting me. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah. Now, so that's called hidden grief, too, even though it's pretty obvious. But it, it wasn't to me. Okay. So I'm I'm right now I'm in mom I'm thinking about a listener and it happens to be let's just say Uncle Carl my Uncle Carl. Okay. He's from Mississippi, so he has a little accent, okay. So you grief guys, y'all are everything. There's grief behind every bush. And so are there instances where you don't have grief but you have some issues? We're gonna get cards Come and on. letters from Come Mississippians. On, Dave. I happen to love Mississippi, so don't you can well, talk about my mama, Missis- but don't talk about Mississippi. Every Mississippian doesn't talk like that. I didn't say necessarily Mississippi. He he moved from West Virginia. Well, there you go, <laughs> West Virginia. Go I love West Virginia too. My sister or Massachusetts, Eli. And, That's right. All right, quick. Can you spell Mississippi, Massachusetts, without making one mistake in the next five seconds? Him? No, no, no. Don't even okay. try. I mean, uh, of course I know how to spell Mississippi. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's seven did hear, S's. Did you hear what Uncle Carl asked you? Yeah, are we saying there's a there's a, a grief behind every bush? I know they're gonna profit if everything everything out there is grief. No, no, but you know what? We live in a world where there's a lot of pain. Hmm. Reality. Hmm. It's not being negative. That's right. not being a pessimist. Right. I'm closer to death today than I've ever been. Are you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I've got the follow-up question. I just thought of it. What? What's the difference between sadness and grief? Well, there's sadness and grief, but there— Can you be sad without being grieving? In one technical sense, no, because sadness means something didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Okay. Now, there's levels of grief, right? My team loses the World Series this year. I'm an Astro fan, and I don't want any hate mail about cheating— they all cheat, by the way. But anyway, they didn't justify what they did. But I'm a big Astro fan. They lost to the Atlanta Braves in the World Series. Okay, was I sad? Yeah, Heck a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you were sad. Yeah, that's yeah. my team since I've been a kid. Were my you, daddy, you? my daddy took me to my first Astro game. You know, in the '60s. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I've been there. It's my dad. I was sad. Okay, but that sadness. Were you? Didn't, were, you were you? Were you grieving? And a very shallow sense. We're going to get off the subject. No, real no, no, quick, but no, I, no. I'm trying what, to distinguish. I, so, in a sense, all sadness is something didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Now, but it doesn't debilitate you for life. I'm not debilitated by the Astros losing the World Series. Now, if I'm a betting man, and I'm not, but if I was, and I lost ten thousand dollars betting, I would grieve that. But me, it, okay, okay, I, I can give you an example though. Yeah, when you grieve when your team loses. If you're if you're an Ole Miss fan in the seventies and a Saints fan in the seventies, well, you wear you a sack. That's what you Saturday. Did. It was a it was a two for one. It was Saturday and, and then Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was just and I, was, it, I was grieving. <laughs> yeah, and and and. You know, we would never compare that kind of grief with losing a son or a wife no. or a divorce or a handicapped child or whatever. We would never compare those. And and we don't compare losses. But but you said, is sadness behind? Is there a p- part of us? We live in a world that has tremendous pain, 
right? Right. So what we're trying to do with New Morning is saying, okay, we have a choice to make with all the crap. Right. And and some of it is major loss. And we all know what major, you know, your son dying is major loss. A divorce is a major loss to most people, mm. right? All sorts of major losses. I need to grieve because that is healthy for me, and it is the natural and normal thing to do. And I, I told you, if you didn't suck your thumb for a year, and I and like no. you, you sucked your th- thumb for six months, and I knew you, if I knew you then, and I'm your buddy, and, and you came to me, I don't know what's wrong with me, man. I cannot get out of bed. I said, I would think something's wrong if you went right back to your the what life the way it was. Right. I would say that ain't good, Ted. You need to deal with your crap. Right. You need to suck your thumb for a while. So, so reality is this life's tough, and reality is there's loss all the time. And the reality is I need to normalize my grief and then not give up on life. Right. I can live forward through my grief and loss to a rich and fulfilling life again that, that's full of meaning and purpose. To be able to recognize the symptoms and the types. And I mean, I, I've learned a lot here today, and I hope everybody else yeah. has as well, because this is uh, uh, half, half the battle is knowing, you know. I got to know there. I'm able to knock over the stupid gate if I'm a dog, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I yeah. got to know there's hope. Right. And at New Morning, living forward. Through. through grief. Yes. It's a new morning, a new kind of morning with hope. That's I think, it. I think that's a wrap. Let's a wrap. Oh, man, let's, 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 let's wrap it up. And talking about wraps, let's go get something to eat, man. Okay. See you next time. Good morning. Good morning. New morning. I'm sorry. New morning. Uh, good morning, son. It's yeah, close enough. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're out. We're out.